15 years of marriage. Yeah, my, my kids. Four little kids. Four little kids. That you put in a car uh-huh. on Christmas Day. To drive over to my parents' house because tradition, right? Like, I know some people struggle in the beginning. We didn't. Like, everything was great for, you know, several several you years of your marriage. careers. Yes. You, yeah. The kids, like, everything was great. And then, you know, once external stressors started really impacting us, because I'm not a big dreamer. I'm, mm. I'm like, Plan. pragmatic planner. Yeah, like, I, like... If you won a million dollars, what would you do with it? I hate that game. Like, <laughs> if I get a million dollars, I'll figure it out. It's like, where are you and Gary at in your marriage specifically that you know, like, you have enough kind of like tools in your belt to make it work yeah. or get through some of the hard things? This is the Sprinter Mom with Lashes On podcast. Okay, so I am sitting here with one of my longest, very best friends, um, Ashley Kinder. She is here to talk all things work, parenthood, and foster care, which is very exciting. Um, I've known Ashley for, whew, how old is Joshua? He's 11 yesterday. So about 12 years. Yeah. Um, and I would say that 12 years ago, you already knew you wanted to be a foster parent. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad she's here. She's able to talk all things. She's full of wisdom. She is the one I call when I need advice because we have similar families, similar backgrounds and the same faith. So here she is, Ashley Kinder. Thank you for joining me. I'm excited to be here. Can you introduce (laughs) yourself of like who you are, maybe where you grew up, alma mater, husband, all the (laughs) things. Okay, sure. Um, so I am an Arizona native. I was born and raised here. Um, I met my husband Gary in high school. We started dating in high school. Um, I was a cheerleader. He was in wrestling and then we were both kind of nerdy in choir and that's kind of where we, we got together, (laughs) the choir gang. Um, I went to ASU for nursing and became a nurse when I was 21. I graduated. And um, Gary and I got married right after college graduation. We've been married. It'll be 15 years this May. Yay! I know. It's so wild. I've officially been, we've been with each other more than half of our lives because we've been together since we were 16. So 20 years, which is so wild. Um, We have four kids. Uh, Joshua just turned 11. And we have a nine-year-old boy a seven-year-old boy and a six-year-old girl (laughs) so you were always pregnant whenever we would start to go out and think we could go and dance together and then you'd be pregnant again I was like pregnant for six years in a row like pregnant or breastfeeding it was wild all my kids are a year and a half apart so every time it was a one-year-old's birthday party and we're you know they're smashing the cake I already knew I was pregnant with the next kid which is wild to think about so um, I was a labor and delivery nurse. I delivered babies. I think that's so much fun. Like I still, I think it's the best job in the whole world. I got to deliver Maddox. Maddox, my, <laughs> one of my younger ones. Yeah, which was awesome. Um, and now I teach nursing full time at a university. So what made you shift from being in the labor and delivery room to teaching, especially since you loved the labor and delivery part, which was also a little missional to you as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I loved it. Um, All of nursing is a little bit missional. Like you're Mm. you're with someone for the most vulnerable periods in their life. I mean, anyone who's been hospitalized, you know how scary it is. You know, you're sick, you're hurt. 
for labor and delivery, you're maybe there for the best day of your life, mm. which is so much fun or the worst day of your life. Yeah. So, um, but I, you know, I love growing and chat and challenge and everything. So I went back and got my master's degree actually before I ever had kids, um, in education and was kind of teaching on the side and working at the hospital. And then, um, when my second son Jackson was born really early, he had to go to the ICU and he was getting uh, nutrition through an IV in his foot. And, um, the nurse who was taking care of him that day was a new graduate nurse. She'd only been out of school about four months. And, um, when I came in to visit him, cause I was still a patient in the hospital and they were, uh, changing shifts and assessing everything. They discovered that she hadn't been managing or assessing that IV all day long. And it caused, um, something called compartment syndrome where there was too much fluid in his leg um, the tissue in his foot where the IV was going in had died because there was mm. too much pressure and they had to cut his whole leg open. He had to have surgeries because of it. And it was very traumatic. And, um, and a couple things from that, like one, she lost her job, that nurse. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. She was only, it's it that was quick. Yeah. It was, it was a hundred percent in error that was avoidable. Okay. And um, you know, and I don't, I don't know if she was poorly trained, if she was overwhelmed and didn't speak up for herself. Mm. Um, I don't know exactly what led to her, you know, throughout the entire day, like missing really critical assessments, but it kind of broke my heart for her because I love nursing. I think it's such an important job and you work so hard in school and she only got to do it for four months. Yeah. And then, of course, for me and for my family and for Jackson, it, you know, had a huge impact. And so that was the catalyst for me to leave the bedside and to teach because mm. I, I felt like I had an opportunity to make sure other nurses who graduate get to get keep a right. job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get to keep a job they love. And um, and yeah. And Jackson's great now. I mean, he's a wild, wild child. And yeah. And he's fine. But, running totally fine. Yeah. So. How did that change your family dynamic? Would you say going from the hospital life to teaching? Yeah, and having kids this whole time—you've always been a working mom. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, God is so good, and like looking back on it, um, it's so cool to see how He just plans everything. But at the time, I was a uh, a nurse at the bedside doing twelve-hour shifts, weekends, holidays, and all that. My husband was in law enforcement, but he was working a normal like eight to five. Mm. So it worked for our family at that time. Then right around the time I started teaching, he had a career change too. And now he's a firefighter and he works shift work 24 hours. And there's no way we could both do shift work. Like I couldn't be gone 12 hours. He's gone 24 hours. Like it just wouldn't work. So it, it balanced itself out. It gave him the flexibility to do this job that he loves. And now I get to be home every night with the kids and, do homework and not miss holidays and all that stuff. And be the mom. Be the mom. Yeah. yeah. Which that's like all I've ever wanted to be. Yeah. The mom. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. And actually you are, she's probably the only one I know who's mid thirties uh-huh. and still misses being pregnant and having little babies. <laughs> <laughs> still. Like I do. It was like your favorite thing in life. I loved it. And if I had not had, like complicated pregnancies, I would have, 
I would have had 10 kids or been a surrogate or something. Like, I yeah. love pregnancy. <laughs> oh, my god! I know. Your fields in it and everything. So speaking of loving pregnancy, 12 years ago, um, we were fostering. Yes. And you kind of watched that play out for our family, the good and the bad. Ashley knew the very hard parts of it. Mm-hmm. And her and her husband, Gary, walked through a lot of that with us. Um, they took the time to build their family with your kids and like, well, we'll talk about your house in a little bit, but (laughs) they took the time to build their family before starting the whole process of becoming foster parents. So what was the decision now with Grace being six, six, like, where was your mind at that? You're like, this is the time. Yeah. We, um, so after you guys were the first people we'd ever met who had done foster care. And so after getting to know you guys and seeing um, what it was like, like you said, the good and the bad, but also the need, like there's such a need. uh, We decided to do foster care before we ever got, before we ever had kids of our own. And we actually took all the classes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, And back then it was 10 weeks of classes, three hours a night, like 10 weeks in a row. It was so long. So we got all the way through the classes. I think it was our last class. And then we found out we were pregnant. Mm. And so that's kind of we we talked about it and we decided, yeah, let's let's kind of get our family here and then revisit foster care. So this has been a dream for us. That's like 12 years in the making. Yeah. Um, but now because my kids were so close and I've had, you know, littles and everything like I really wanted to. My goal was like, if I can just get all my kids in school five days a week, yeah, then I'll have this like margin in my life. I'll have this like time that I haven't had, you know, ever. Yeah. And so, and that happened this fall. Grace went to kindergarten. It's been great. And so we've been working towards what's next, like what's our next chapter. And I'm really impatiently waiting for it all to get started. To hurry up and get started. Yeah. Oh my God. It's a long process. It's a long process. <laughs> So how have, how, wh- what do you think are like some of the reasons that you and Gary, um, like one, now's the time, but two, like marriage wise, like how do you feel secure enough to like go through some of the hard stuff? Yeah. Um, or the pain of, cause you guys are going into it to strictly foster mm-hmm. adoption is not on the table and maybe it could be what, I mean, the Lord knows, but yes. regardless, you know, that you want to help, um, families reunite with their kids mm-hmm. and which you're a great mentor mom. Like that would be just so incredible for you guys. Like where are you and Gary at in your marriage specifically that, you know, like you have enough kind of like tools in your belt to make it work yeah, or get through some of the hard things. You know, it's one of those, it's kind of like young people, especially young men who like haven't proposed to their longtime girlfriend and they're like, I'm just not ready. And it's like, you're never going to like, you might not never feel ready, ready. Yeah. There's an element of that. Like there's, there's certainly like fear and worries. Like if we take on um, another kid or two kids at a time, you know, how much will that change our family dynamic? How much, how will Gary and I still be able to spend time together? Will my kids still feel like they get mom? You yeah. know, there, so there is 
worries and fears anytime you do something really big, you know. But Gary and I um, have we've walked a lot in 15 years. We both went through major career changes. We both lost jobs. We've had health issues like we've yeah. lived a lot of life, you know, um, and we've gone through a lot of counseling, um, marriage counseling together and separate too, to help us like, you know, there's like personal growth you do, but when you get married so young, I mean, you get yeah. married young, yeah. like you are nothing like, I'm nothing like the 22 year old bride no. that I was, you know, and neither is Gary. And so learning to grow together yeah. and like, and so last year, January of 2023, we did, you know, New Year's planning as you do, like what, what are, what are the kinders going to be about this year? And we really, you know, it's really easy to think about jobs and kids and all those things. We tried to be like, <clears throat> if we're going to do one thing, like if we're going to plan one part of our life first, let's plan the part where we serve God in some way. Mm -hmm. And for us, the foster care was like, this is the year. Yeah. Like, this is, we're ready for this calling. Yeah. So it was like, our kids are in a good place. We've grown together. We've been through a lot in our marriage and, um, and we have the same goal, like, yeah. and it for our life and for each other and for our family. So you and Gary made the decision, but how have you like incorporated your kids with the decision? And how have you like prepped them, prepared their hearts room wise, all of that? Like, how have you basically taken them and said, this is like our family mission and not just mom and dad? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we moved a couple years ago into, we had like a, a five bedroom, very suburban house. And we moved into a, a four bedroom, 1700 square foot little ranch you almost style cut house. Your, ha your house in half. In half. Right? Yeah, yeah. We really did. Cause you had a foot. big house. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but we, you know, we did that. The house, it sits on some land. And so we have animals, the kids call it a farm. It's like a whole thing. Like it's, it's my therapy with the goats and all the pigs and all that. Um, but we didn't have a room. We have, as it is, we have two kids sharing a room. Yeah. You know? And so we went through the construction this year to create a space to be able to do this ministry. And that was the other thing. It's like, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to put some money down. We're going to have yeah. to remodel our house and create a bedroom and like, and, and so it's been a year of preparing and construction and talking to the kids about the reality of like, you know, what bringing in other kids into our home might do. My oldest, uh, you know, Joshua just turned 11. He does. He's a very type A firstborn. He does not like chaos. Mm. You know, Whew. he doesn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he doesn't like the center's home. <laughs> <laughs> No, he loves coming over here, except if we're the only family that comes over. Yeah. He's like, is are lots of families going to be there? He's like, oh, so much chaos. It is so much chaos. <laughs> so, you know, it's been, we've had lots of conversations with the kids about like, you, you know, this is something that we are taking on as a family on mission. Yeah. You know, all of you guys are going to make sacrifices. We might ask you to help with extra chores. We might ask you to help you know, feed bottles or change diapers or just, you know, lose a little bit of the the control and the quiet that you're used to. Yeah. And so it's been I'm glad in one in a way that it's taken a, a year, year because we've had a lot of time to talk as a family. Yeah. And yeah. I actually think there's a disservice to the families that take the classes, get licensed and jump right in because yeah. 
if you don't have anyone that you've maybe seen them do it before, um, you haven't had the time to really prepare your hearts because now, how long are the classes now versus the five weeks? weeks. Okay. Five weeks. Yeah, they cut in half. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because they need foster parents. Yeah. But then you also don't want ill-equipped people bringing in kids and then having it, having a disruption based off of that, which is sad. So yeah, I think a year is great. Yeah. It's, it has felt long, you know, construction is just, well, you know, yeah. Construction is just so chaotic when you bring it into your house. But, but also I feel like everyone's really ready, like ready and excited. Yeah. So what are some fears that maybe your family had, (laughs) not just you and Gary, but what are some fears that family had? Um, my family is very traditional. Like everyone lives here in Arizona. We see each other all the time. We, you know, holidays are a huge thing and, and they don't like change. You know, yeah. I think Gary and I are probably the most comfortable with change of anybody in my family. And you don't even change that much. <laughs> it feels well, not in our world. But <laughs> That's true. We love change. We're not the center's <laughs> level of change. Um, yeah. So, um, my, you know, my parents voice very bold concerns. Like we're not shy about sharing, like how, how are you going to be a good mom to the four kids that you have when you're taking on more kids? And, and these aren't normal kids. These are kids with behavioral issues. These are kids who, you know, have been exposed to drugs and like, they're going to take so much of your time. How are you going to be a good mom to your kids? And that's like a really, that's like yeah. one of my deep fears. So yeah. to hear that voice is like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Um, you know, they worried about, yeah, like bringing in, well, how are we going to go on family vacations if you have these other kids with these other needs? And um, are you going to be asking us to babysit these kids? You know, like yeah. it, they're looking at it as how how's this going to affect me? And that, I think that's a normal, you know, for someone who's never done something like this or seen it done, like, so probably very normal questions. But it, again, it's good that it's been a year because it's given everybody time to sort of adjust. Yeah. And, and now I think my whole family is really excited. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you actually had the chance, you and Gary, even before you were licensed, there is such a huge need in Arizona yes. that they, the agency actually reached out to you and asked you to do respite at Thanksgiving time. Yep. So over a holiday, you did respite for two young boys. Yes. How did everyone acclimate to that? And um, was it practice kind of? Yeah, it was totally practice. Okay. It was, it was um, an awesome experience and it was on a major holiday on Thanksgiving. And so I didn't quite know how my parents would feel like, Hey, can we bring a couple kids you don't know to Thanksgiving? But they were great with it. Um, my mom even watched the boys a couple days when I had to go teach and, but we had them with us for 12 days. And by the end, when we were, you know, getting ready, knowing that their foster parents were coming back in town, like my parents were really sad to see mm. them go. So in that short time of 12 days, even my parents and my grandma had like bonded to these kids and really invested in them. Um, we took a bunch of pictures, you know, like my kids have little bulletin boards in the room of pictures and they all have a picture up with these boys Aww. and they, and they still talk about them. And it was like, it was a really good first experience and exposure and the saying goodbye part for me and for the kids was definitely hard. I cried when they left, you know, but 
That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, then you made it through the first hard yes. one. Yes. Does that, do you like, can you imagine it being 30 days and then saying goodbye? You know, yes. Like I, I think I will probably cry every time and I think yeah. that's probably okay. Yeah. Our foster care instructor who did our classes, um, she did babies mostly. And she said every time she had to say goodbye to a baby, she would get rid of all the decorations in the nursery and redo it. And that was her like cleansing wow. and like moving on, you know, and helping her like heart heal was huh. to like reset the nursery every time. Oh. Yeah. So I kind of like that idea. Well, decorating's fun. Yeah. Anyway, but um I when I was a bedside nurse, I worked in the NICU for a couple years. And it's like that. Like you go every mm. day and you take care of, you know, a baby and you you love on them, you hold them like for days and days and days or weeks or months and then they go home. And so yeah. I feel like God has kind of prepared me in a way to love on this sweet little vulnerable human yeah, and then be able to say goodbye when I, I have that. to. Um, I love how you were mentioning that your parents and grandma were even a little sad because I think it's so cool that like this isn't just your family with yeah. your four kids and you and Gary, but like actually giving kids a chance to see what a big family can look like. Because I feel like so often, especially a lot of kids in foster care, either maybe were raised by grandma um, or they have so many distant like relatives that aren't a part of their life yeah. that to actually see like, oh, mom can have a mom and that mom can still have a mom and you guys can see each other and do things together and big and little, you yeah. know, it's not just holidays for your family. You see your family often. Yeah. So I think having kids see that example mm -hmm. is really cool. And also they, the boys probably picked up things from your mom that they didn't pick up from you or sure. maybe even your grandma that they didn't pick up from you. That's so true. And it's funny, the, the older boy was six and he was fascinated with how everyone was related. Like he wanted to know everyone's. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And who is your mom and who is her mom? Um, but the hardest, like that just got me so much. The hardest part was when I, when they arrived, they were six and four and had been in foster care for years. Mm. Um, and so he asked me, he's like, Miss Ashley, you have these four kids. Who's their mom? And I said, I'm their mom. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, but who's their real mom? Mm -hmm. Like the idea that the kids were just living with their mom was really hard for him to grasp. Yeah. Like he, and he asked many, many times, like, but who's their real, real mom? Mm -hmm. That just broke my heart. Oh, oh. No. <laughs> gosh, that's awful. <laughs> okay. Let's do something happier. <laughs> so you... I would say you and Gary were the first ones that you were like the youngest couple we ever met that legitimately had a great house oh, in yeah. a decent neighborhood, like where we used to live. <laughs> yep. um, you guys were like working full time, didn't have kids, had a mortgage, very responsible, <laughs> had three rescue dogs that were all sorts of weird. And, um, and then you moved, you know, to another house in Chandler, like you guys were always in nice suburb areas. Mm -hmm. And then one day you called and said, Gary was on Zillow and we want to <laughs> lead a simpler life. Yeah. And cut our house in half <laughs> and leave our uh, 
fake grass backyard. Yes. Because we both have had the experience of having fake grass, which is enjoyable for a while. Yes. Um, but not if you have dogs. Right. <laughs> so what kind of led your family to switch, like, basically your environment almost yeah. completely? Yeah, it was a little bit COVID-related. Like, okay. this happened oh, during right. the pandemic. So, you know, I, so we have four kids. Uh, I think three out of four were in school at the time. And everybody went home on computers, right? So yeah. trying to manage three kids, little kids, you know, on a laptop was insane. Plus, I had to teach from home on a laptop, but I had to teach live. So I had to be uh, live streaming to my class yeah. while, you know, three little kids are trying to do school and a toddler. And then Gary was a firefighter and he's going out into the community, you know, which for a time was really scary. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Gary was ever that scared, but I was scared. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Gary, know? gosh. He's like, I'll we be could, fine. We could do a whole podcast just on Gary. <laughs> <laughs> he is such a character. I know. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about his hazmat suit. Oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. Yes. Um, yeah, he did not He did not take the whole uh, COVID <laughs> thing very seriously, but he was going out, all you know, into the mm-hmm. community. And so and, – and the rest of us just all felt stuck, you know, everyone yeah. like stuck in this house and home. stuck on the computer. And, and so he was on Zillow <laughs> at night, like one night when he couldn't sleep at work. And um, – he saw this property in South Phoenix and that was where our first house was really, really close to there. And he got this like crazy idea. He's like, what if we sell, we sell all this and we just downsize and we just, we have land. And I don't know what it is about men wanting land. There's something. My gosh, Ryan's on a kick right now. (laughs) (laughs) Acreage? Did you say acreage? (laughs) I I don't quite get it, but yeah, like the idea of having land. And I was like, okay, like, and so we, I was like, Gary, this is crazy. Like, we have this beautiful house. That's perfect for our family, you know? And he asked me. What, mind you, was also like, what, three minutes from your mom's house, Oh, yeah. Uh Yeah. Like across the street. Yeah. Yes. We had everything right. Like, we were set. Everything Mm -hmm. was great. Um, But he looked at me and he's like, like, what is your dream life? And I was kind of like eye rolling because I'm not a big dreamer. I'm I'm like pragmatic planner. Yeah. Like, I like... If you want a million dollars, what would you do with it? I hate that game. Like, <laughs> if I get a million dollars, I'll figure it out. <laughs> Why? Like, think about it now. Um, he's like, what is your dream life? Like, if you could have any life. And I was like, well, I want, I, I don't know. Like, I would love, an- I love animals. Like, I would love to have a horse someday. Like, I've always wanted to own a horse. And he's like, you know, holding this phone up with the, the Zillow listing. And I was like, really? Like, you want to do this? So we thought about it. And then... um he he loves telling this story that he got into his car one day to go to work and he turned his car on and you know his phone's connected to his car bluetooth and normally like itunes will start playing a song or whatever so for whatever reason that day instead of itunes playing the bible app started reading out loud to him oh yeah because it was probably open or something i don't know like he didn't think so like it was like you know from God to him, yeah. like speaking to him from his Bible his app. experience. Yes. Um, and it was First Thessalonians 4.11, which says, lead a quiet life, work with your hands, and earn the respect of others. Mm. And that just like, it was like a lightning bolt for him of like, this is what we're supposed to do. Like, yeah. let's, let's teach our kids to, you know, practical skills. Let's be hardworking. Let's have this adventure on this yeah. property. Like, let's get out of, you know, 
I don't know, the status quo and just suburban yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. And do something wild. Like none of us had ever owned animals other than dogs or lived anywhere like this. So, so it was like a, it was like an adventure and it, it has been. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love the farm. So what are, <laughs> um, of the farm, like what are some of the animals that you've taken on? Yes. Uh, what does your morning look like before <laughs> getting the kids off to school? Or do you come home and work on some of the things? Tell us about your animals. Okay. One thing you should know if you get acreage, tell Ryan, people, when they hear you have space, just they'll be like, oh, you have space. Do you want these goats? They drive me crazy. And that's what happened to us. Like, mm. I think I, I bought chickens. I remember that, like, or actually Gary brought them home to me as a Mother's Day gift. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Is, it was actually, like, the best Mother's Day ever. <laughs> he brought me home chicks, baby chicks. Um, but other than that, we haven't purchased any of the animals on the farm. Like, it has all been. Oh, my gosh. I know. I didn't realize that. Yeah. And, Even the pigs? Mm-mm. Wow. It's always like, oh, you have like you have space. Would do you want them? We don't want these animals anymore. So uh we have chickens and ducks, and then we got three pigs um, when they were babies and their brothers. And they're pretty standoffish. They, <laughs> it's sometimes a game to see like who can catch the pigs. Oh, yeah, it's so fun. Yeah, we'll share a video. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we had got uh four goats. We have two boy goats and two girl goats, and then we have three alpacas which came from a fellow firefighter, yeah, who was, they had alpacas and horses and they wanted more horses. And so they were looking for uh. a place for their alpacas to go. And it's, what's the purpose behind alpacas? Do they graze? <laughs> are none they of just our like, animals serve a purpose. I guess the chickens make eggs. Yeah. But, um, but you do shear the alpacas once a year. Okay. And then their coat can be spun into wool. And yeah. So I've given, given it to my... um sister's mother-in-law and she has made stuff out of it oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> well that's kind of cool i was like you need it i guess it's like a ton of work like it's a hobby thing oh it's not like a practical thing it's like a crafting mm. experience but you can sell it you yeah i've actually it. heard you can sell it too. yeah so but no they're just um they're really just fun and therapy for me and if i was a morning person that's one of my 2024 things is to try and get up earlier my morning routine. I hate the morning. I hate the morning. I, and that's not good for someone who lives on a farm. Um, my morning routine right now, and I think I'm an outlier on this, and I know that, and it will certainly change when I get foster care. But I get up at um, 6.45, and we leave the house at 7.45. So I get me and all four kids fed and lunch is packed and me, you know, me ready for work and we all leave. Which in, is an unreal hour. to I, me. I Completely unreal. Some of it's the age of my kids. Like, you know, they can all pour their own cereal now. And like, you know, like I said, it might change as we get new kids. So then you drop them off and go back home and do the farm chores? It depends on my teaching schedule. Yeah. Mm. But I actually really like afternoon and evenings is my favorite because that's when I'll, I'll let all the animals out to graze. And so they'll, they'll come up to the house. Sometimes we let them in the front yard and, you know, neighbors go by and see them and everything. And that's when I spend time with them. Yeah. And so that's when I'll do a lot of the chores and stuff is actually in the afternoon or the evening. Yeah. Cause you can strip out of your work clothes yes. and get cozy. Get and my boots on. Dirty. Yep. <laughs> like oh my gosh. hay bales and yeah, mucking out stalls and everything. That's my, it, 
it is like therapy. It's exercise. That's my, yeah. Everything. Everything. I love it. Teaching the kids how to do it. Yeah. It's fun. Okay. So you're a mom of four. Yes. You're about to add one to two. two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have space for two. Um, what are some of the things, especially cause they've all been so close together. Um, and I am still, it's funny cause I'm like, I have no hacks. Like I have no <laughs> hacks of being, sometimes I'm like, it's kind of like Priscilla. Sometimes I feel like you're just like going with the flow of the week and figuring it out. But like, are there some things in your house mm -hmm. that you've put in place that at least give your kids some order to the morning or to the night or what are some routines that you've put in place that you can say, Hey, we have a lot of kids, but it works because we do this, this, and this. Yeah, totally. Um, that is like, that's the only way I could do it. You know, like my sister, um, has two kids and isn't, she's not a, a routine order organized person. And she's I, she's not the first child. No, she's not the firstborn. <laughs> She's the middle child. Um, so yeah. So like, like one thing for me, especially when I had so many little kids was snacks, like mm. the constant wanting snacks, asking for snacks, drove me nuts. So like I made a, a schedule, um, on the board, like when they were little, you know, before preschool and they've known forever, they can ask for a snack at 10 AM and at 3 PM. Like oh. those are our snack times. So even now when they're in school, they get home a little after three and they know they can have a three o'clock snack. And then there's no more snacks for the whole day. Like, And then eat. they eat dinner. Mm -hmm. And then they eat dinner. So like that's one. Like just And the snacks are where they can reach them. So when it hits 3 o'clock, they know they're allowed to go pick out a snack. Um, you know, we I, I do try, you know, when they get home from school, like everyone has to unload their backpack and put everything away, lunches, mm -hmm. water yeah. bottles. Everybody has to do their homework first. So they'll sit at the table with their snack and do their homework. And then we can play, you know, okay. then we can now it used to be like play outside. Now it's like so cold. Yeah. And they're getting older and they just want to do Fortnite, uh. you know? So to me, it's like, I know a lot of people worry about screen time. I was just going to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I like to see, like we do homework first. I like to see my kids go outside, whether they're helping me with the animals or we got a trampoline this year for Christmas. So like if they've gone outside, like throw the football, jump on the trampoline, at least a half hour outside. Yeah. And then the rest of the evening, you know, if if they end up on video games, if we watch a family movie, like I try not to stress about it. Yeah. If they've done their homework and they played outside, then. Yeah, that's enough. How do you um, like for me, the screen time, I'm like the older I get, the less I care. But also <laughs> the worse their attitudes are, I would say if they have a ton of screen time and like now that their games are getting older, yes. like as we've adjusted to certain games and things like that. Um, my problem is the number of kids. So right now I'm deciding like, even if I say you have a half hour, half hour, half hour, then it's like, but I want to play on this and he's playing on this. So when do they play on that? And like ours is just nuts, <laughs> but like, I'm also like, they are in school all day. Mm -hmm. Their brain is going. Yep. If that is the way they wind down, like not everyone winds down with video games. Yeah. Like my brother was a video game guy. Ryan never was. And so I'm like, you read or you do a sport or, or you watch TV. Like we're TV watchers. I love TV. Mm -hmm. Um, or you're like, 
you know, you even watch shows sometimes while you're typing or working because you can multitask like that. Like it's true. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. And I think our kids are going to grow up and be good human beings, Mm -hmm. not because of the screen time, but because of the parenting and the full picture of everything you've done. Yeah. And it's it's just balance. You know, it's like, it's like if you've, it's if you identify something in your life that you realize is becoming so important to you that you can't go a day without it, or it's the first thing you want to do every day, you know, whether it's drinking, whether it's, you know, caffeine for adults, for kids, like if every day, the only thing you want to do is screen time and you can't find joy in anything else, then maybe we need to have a little screen time fast. Yeah. Like maybe we, we break that up. Like, but otherwise, yeah, like you said, like we live in a different age, you know, know? like, and we have to navigate through it. We do, which is really hard. I, um, let Joshua have his maybe second or third sleepover this last Mm. weekend. And that was a little bit stressful because that also like I did sleepovers all the time when I was a kid, but it's just, it feels different now yeah. than it used to. Because you can't control kind of what's going on in someone else's house, mm-hmm. what they watch. I'm actually afraid sometimes to have kids over from the school because <laughs> we both have kids in a private Christian school. Yes. And I'm like so worried because I think because our kids are older, we've watched, you know, we've seen all of the marbles yes. and we've <laughs> gone through stranger things <laughs> and like shows that a typical Christian conservative family wouldn't necessarily let their kids be watching, but we've like talked through a lot of things. And so anyway, now I have like these kids coming over to my house and I'm like, oh shoot, like what songs am I listening to on the radio? What are they watching? Are they going to do Fortnite, but they're not allowed to do Fortnite in their house? Like I worry about those things or like catching my own kids if they're watching something they're not supposed to be watching. Mm -hmm. Heaven forbid, like they show something to a friend and I'm not even aware they were seeing it in the first place. So like, those are the things that I'm always like conscious of. What are they watching? Um, who's coming over? Mm -hmm. What are their family values? Cause I definitely never want to step on someone. Um, because I know my family's like more loosey goosey, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, you know, it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. Sleepovers and all that. Yeah. Also, I hate sleepovers because they don't get sleep. And <laughs> I'm actually very much anti-sleepovers recently, but it depends on the family. Yes. It and does. the sleeping arrangements. Yes. A lot I my um Joshua has a lot of friends who are single, mm-hmm. single kids, you know, like only siblings. And so that's interesting too, because when he goes over there to their houses or whatever, they always take him out to eat. Oh, it's so special. Yeah. It's so special. Like they always, he gets to do all these fun and special things. And then he comes home and he's one of four kids and like, yeah, you know, mom, why can't we go out to eat it? Where did he go? Postinos. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was That's like, so classy. Cause you're 11 and, we, <laughs> and we're not going to, we're Postinos. a family of six. And we're not going to Postinos for lunch. <laughs> That's so funny. My, uh, Oh my gosh. I grew up with a best friend at school and she was an only child. She was actually an adopted only child. And her parents often took me on trips and that was so cool because I wasn't used to fly. Like my family usually drove to California, Mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't used to flying in airplanes or doing fun things like that. And it just, it's cool. (laughs) Yeah. But also how boring like the kids are always like what would you do if it was just one or two of us and I'm like 
I'd probably be really peaceful and sleeping a lot and reading a lot of books. Yeah, but read a lot that's of books. not what God has planned. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Let me check what time it is because I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, okay, 10 minutes. So, oh wait, hold on. Mandy. Mandy. Okay. No, we're okay. Do you have to pee? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, okay, we're good. Um, so, <laughs> oh, the children. Um, I think that one of the things I love about you is how um, open you and Gary have been about your marriage or struggles or things you come into. Um, <clears throat> but you guys have also always been open to counseling mm -hmm. or therapy. Mm -hmm. And then now specifically you guys have gone through a marriage group at your church and yeah. then led the marriage group. Yeah. What would you say? I love talking about marriage. Um, and <clears throat> what would you say like is, um, like, the desire of your heart when it comes to working with couples and saving marriages or maybe, you know, giving marriage tools, like where's, how, how did your heart like come to that? Cause really the foster care and the mission of helping couples. Yeah. Um, but like, how would you say, especially cause you got married young with therapy and different things, like what are some tricks that you guys have learned that allowed you to grow together and not necessarily like individually. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, like what sort of led us down the road where we're really like, man, I think we need some counseling. Um, cause you know, everyone, you, you get married. I know some people struggle in the beginning. We didn't like everything was great for, you know, several, several you years. Had your in careers. Yes. You, yeah. The kids, like everything was great. And then, you know, once external stressors started really impacting us, like Gary lost his job and then a, several years later I lost my job and stuff like that. That's when we started to see like cracks in this foundation. Um, one of the biggest things that we had to learn is what you bring, what you unknowingly subconsciously bring into a marriage. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is usually from your upbringing, from, you know, your parents' marriage or what you witnessed or previous relationships. But learning how to unpack that is something that for us, we needed help with. Like yeah. We needed someone to sit with us and ask really great questions to help us understand what are those expectations that we've brought in or habits or like just ways of thinking mm -hmm. and and you know I'm, I'm sure there are really self-reflective people out there who can figure it out on their own but it was so eye-opening and it helped me un like see Gary and understand him so much better so we came from very different very wildly different upbringings my parents were Christian they're still married they've always served in the church always served in marriage ministries yeah like I remember them having arguments, but like never, never was I worried for their marriage yeah. and they always modeled good communication and, and all these things. So I thought I was entering marriage with just like this amazing foundation, which yeah. in some ways I was. Yeah. Gary was raised by a single mom 
um, who they divorced when Gary was five. Mm-hmm. Very nasty, messy divorce. They still can't be in the same room together, his parents. Years later. Year, yeah, 30 years later, and oh they God. cannot be in the same room together. There's still so much anger and hatred there. Oh. And so he grew up with no, you know, basically no dad and no no view of marriage. And so you shove those two people together and we're trying to make it work. And and um, and so through counseling, we learned like what are those things we brought in mm. and how can we see one another? Like there's there's this desire and the program we went through at our church is called Reengage, and they do it all over the US. At like there's like 300. No, that's not right. There's a lot of churches doing it. I don't yeah. know the number. But um one of the the pillars is if you will draw a circle around yourself and work on everyone inside the circle that's how god will transform your marriage it's and so that's kind of like a running theme throughout is like stay in your circle which means you can't change your spouse mm. and praying for god to change your spouse not- is also not it yeah like but what you can do is grow your relationship with God, become more like God, allow his love to be magnified in you so that you love your spouse better. And mm. that's the the transformational power Wow, is the closer. And they do this like triangle thing. They said, if picture a triangle, if God's at the top and then your the wife is here and the husband is here, if the husband and the wife both move closer to God, then they're also moving closer to each other. Yeah. And so um, God, God loves marriage. Like one of the things, the point that brought us to probably our, our most difficult point in our marriage, um, I realized like that when I, when we stood at the aisle and we said, I do to each other, that yes, we were making a promise to each other, but really we were making a promise to God. Mm-hmm. Like we were making a covenant with God. God, I promise you, I will stay by this man's side for the rest of my life. For good or for bad. For good or for bad. Yep. For good or for bad. And so once you, um, when you set your eyes on God and his goodness and his love for you, it allows you to love this other person, even when things are really hard and even when you don't feel like it because it's not about it's so easy to think it's about your spouse but it's not it's about god has been so faithful to me and so i'm going to be faithful to god and stay and work and and it's been it's been transformational it really has and so i i just my message for married couples who are struggling you know is that God desires you to stay like yeah. God desires your faithfulness and your trust and he can change. He can work miracles. Yeah. We, we serve the God of miracles. Do you think that, um, because like how you're mentioning your mom and dad have been together so many years, 40 years. Yeah. Think, yeah. And, um, Christian household, mm-hmm. I grew up the same way yep. and you always think, cause I'm like, I don't need therapy. Nothing's wrong with me you know, I had a great childhood and it's true. I did. But like you said, there are things you bring in subconsciously that you're like, Oh, huh. That would affect a marriage when he did not grow up maybe the same way I did or unspoken expectations or whatever they may be. We've picked up things from our family and our parents are amazing and our childhoods were great. 
but there's still stuff that you pick up that you're like, oh, huh. Mm -hmm. Um, but where like, gosh, I lost my train of thought because I'm like, (laughs) I love marriage so much. Oh, um, where do you see like, because divorces, the rate is so high, like what's your desire, I guess, for future couples or for your own kids? Mm -hmm. Like our parents have made it this far. I would imagine they haven't told us, but there might've been some dark times that maybe we don't know about and they haven't told us yeah and they like don't talk about it and it's like do you think for our kids and you know sometimes the kids will see me cry Mm -hmm. and and you're like you know mom's having a tough day like what do you kind of share with your kids that they see marriage is hard Mm -hmm. um this is not a fairy tale (laughs) and like but I will love you know because I've committed and I will love this person and like what do you desire I think for your kids in their marriages or people around you yeah I think that's one um shift and even in the church that is so encouraging is groups like this like re-engage where as Christians we don't put on this um front yeah Yeah. that marriage is great and easy and if you love god and love each other everything will work out yeah but that we talk about the mess yeah the mess that it is you know when you put two imperfect broken people together and say live your lives forever like we're we're two sinners you know and so to be able to talk about it openly like is such a great culture shift in the church that i think is happening yeah so that would be one is to like because my parents never talked about how there any struggles in their marriage. Yeah. And I had such guilt and shame when you did seeking marriage counseling. Mm. Yep. Because I was like, my parents never needed this. Why do I need it? Yeah. yeah. So being able to talk about it. I think for my kids, um, you know, our culture tells us you need to find someone who will make you happy. Right. Mm. That's the message is yeah. find someone who will make you happy, who will meet your needs, who will fit into your life, who will, and it's so self-focused. Um, and so my hope for my kids is that they know that like, that they can always be real with me, mm-hmm. that I will be real with them. And it is, it is a hard balance. How much do you share? Yeah. You know, one of the things that led us into marriage counseling was that when we would argue, we would argue loud. And mm-hmm. as our kids got older, they would start overhearing the way we spoke to each other. Mm. And I remember one time our kids, as we were arguing late at night, we thought the kids were in bed. They got out of bed. They together wrote a note and slipped it under our door. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It said, like, Mom and Dad, please stop fighting. Like, we know you love each other. Like, (laughs) And you know Joshua is leading the way. Oh, I know. (laughs) I'll never forget it as long as I live. Um, So, so yeah. So, like. You know, having open conversations and being able to admit mom and dad are wrong. Yeah. Like mom and dad messed up. Like we should not have spoken to each other that way. Like that's not what God would desire for us. And um, but then yeah, do not seek happiness, seek holiness. Like mm-hmm. seek someone as you as our kids are getting ready to get married and finding whoever, you know whoever that may be. I hope I'm the best mother-in-law, by the way. Like that is one of my goals. I want to be the best mom-in-law. I'm going to have three daughters-in-law. Yeah. So you have to really. Like I want to be like, you know, supportive. I want to be someone who they like can come to and like 
place, you know, little expectation other yes. than just, yeah. So And not like controlling your sons and being like, yes, oh, my babies. Yes. And, yeah, I want to try and I want to not do that. So you can be my accountability okay, partner. best mother-in-law. Yeah. I'll be doing the same thing. So you're going to have I'm too like, many I'm like, oh, in-laws. you don't want to be a part of my compounding cult? Oh, I don't know that you can last in this family. <laughs> you won't move where we move. <laughs> yeah, right. You're out. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Oh, you're going to have gosh. so many in-law children. Oh my goodness. I'm mostly worried about, yeah, it's a lot of girls are hard. Mm. Like it would be one thing if it like just, you know, Pima, Brooklyn and Little Miss like had a great man and mm-hmm. then you would feel secure. But you also know like the girls kind of hang on to their moms and it's like, yes. okay, I have this. They're always going to come to me. Yes. But then you have these men that hopefully through our husbands, I feel like they're in a new era of like men talking about hard things. So that's a change, but like your boys finding someone that also fits the family, supports them and likes you. And like, am I going to like her mom? I don't know. (laughs) I hope so. I hope I'm friendly enough that I like her mom, but like in my case, what if she doesn't even speak English? (laughs) I'm screwed. I gotta learn Spanish fast. Yeah, you really do. I really do. But yeah, it's it's scary. Well, you know, this is this is the first year where we did not do Christmas at my parents' house. Christmas morning was at my house this year for the first time. Fifteen years of marriage. Fifteen years of marriage. Yeah, my my kids, four little kids. Four little kids that you put in a car uh-huh. on Christmas Day to drive over to my parents' house because tradition, right? Like tradition and like wanting all your children to gather to you yes has been such a hard subject to broach in my family so i want to be you know the type of mom-in-law or whatever who can say like we'd love to join you we'd love you to join us if you if we need to do a different day like yes. you know like we just want we want you to have an amazing Christmas. We'd love to see you, but there's not like pressure and expectation. Yeah. Sounds and I do great. oh, it sounds great. It's gonna be perfect down yeah. the road. And I do love the idea of different day. Yeah. And because I think being flexible in that mm-hmm. is nice because when you do have in-laws in town mm-hmm. and you're trying to split it up, like now that we've experienced driving to two to three homes when our kids were babies. And they're all exhausted and crying and it's miserable and no one likes it. That's not a holiday. Oh, it's work. And so, yeah, I think having that flexibility and saying like Christmas could literally be any day you want. I mean, you guys, Gary's a firefighter. Right. Like Christmas or Thanksgiving can be any day you want around that time. Yep. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) Always adjusting, always figuring it out. Got to be flexible. Got to be flexible. (laughs) Well, I won't keep you too long. I will always have Ashley back because she is my go-to for healthcare, Mm -hmm. um, marriage, parenting, family issues that were both the first child and we kind of carry some of the first child responsibilities and yeah, yeah, aging parents, all that fun stuff. I can't wait to talk about maybe delivery and baby things. All the things. Yeah. I can't wait to have another baby to snuggle and I hold. Know. I made sure Ashley came on before she started to foster care because yes. I wanted to hear the pre to 
what it's going to be like in the midst of it. And I can't wait to talk to you when you do have a placement in the state of Arizona and encourage all of you to sign up and (laughs) do that because it is a temporary thing and you're blessing a child and really making an impact probably on their forever. Like like your legacy is not just going to be a kinder legacy, but for, you know, generations to come of little kids that you can really, your whole family can serve. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm excited. Me too. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Love you. Love you too. Yay. That's it. See, it's fun. (laughs) It's so fun. I really want to talk healthcare, Mm -hmm. immunizations, um, private school. Yeah. Um, cause we both went to public school. Yeah. Our kids are in private school, but those are all things that we could just do, you know, whenever. Okay. But cause I got all the time in the world. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, there's so many things. That's what I told Priscilla too. I'm like, there are so many things I could talk to you about, but we're just going to keep it right here <laughs> and then go from there. Thanks for joining us today for the Sprinter Mom with Lashes on podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. We'll see you next week.